0: Thank you, Susan, that was amazing. I remember the first time I ever saw that performed when I was about 10, and it just sort of igniting my heart, set it on fire, I love it. Anyway, um, so now we're just going to um, consider for a second that all of us, wherever you are watching this, that we're all in a vast river of wisdom, and that we're all in this great flow that flows through all history towards the omega point that we always hear about. But we're all in this great flow together. But to what extent do you experience this, experience this to be true for you? And do you, do you sense in your own life a balance of self-love and self-giving? Because the truth is that the flow is always flowing. And we're invited to participate in that flow moving and swirling and receiving and passing on and experiencing a dynamic inner aliveness that's generative and life-giving and that's not dependent on the circumstances that we're in. But, of course, we all get stuck and lodged into crevices and behind rocks and go down little tributaries and things. So let's ask ourselves this morning, is there anything in your life that's preventing you from experiencing that joy-filled, peace-filled, vibrant and deeply satisfying flow. Maybe there's a, a niggling resentment that just won't go away or you just can't forgive someone that you're really trying to forgive or dwelling on some negativity or angry about the conditions that we're in, how you'd want things to be different or maybe you're reliant on something that you just know is not serving you. Anything that's not allowing you to be in the flow. And so this morning right now we have an opportunity to get back into the flow. To let go of whatever it is that's whatever it is that's inside you saying no to the flow. And so we can ease those stuck places and release any of that anger or shame or whatever it is that's, that's stopping the flow. And all we have to do is surrender. All we have to do is simply want to be in the flow and open up to it and release all those things that stop us. So as I say these words again that we're saying every week at the moment, um, allow yourself to... Swell around inside these words and let them fill you. you. Let yourself be filled by an abundance of that divine indwelling. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord, amen.
1: I've given the topic of today as being the wisdom of all the ages. And there's this wonderful passage in uh, Proverbs on wisdom. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place. Before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any dust of the world, I was there. When he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary, so the water would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman by his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. This is the last of our series uh, that we've been doing for a while on the Colic for Purity, that prayer that Heather just uh, read from the 11th century that was also in the um, beginning bit of the cloud of unknowing. Um, Just to reiterate, it goes, Almighty God, in other words, the ground of all being, a great memory of the universe of which we're part. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, Our hearts are open to that great consciousness that comes into our individual consciousness, a way of love and wisdom that we can usher into our lives. And to whom all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hidden. You can see that divine nature can see all that's going on in our minds and our fears. But if we become still and open the portal of that love, then wisdom can flow through us. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Our hearts and minds are united as one, purified by that Holy Spirit that flows through us, that we may perfectly love you. May we give our lives with no expectation of return and worthily magnify your holy name. And so bring that love, which is at the heart of the universe, into our own consciousness. And today's line through christ our lord amen now there's quite a bit of sensitivity particularly here at the aspen chapel about the c word even more about the j word the c word being christ and the j word being jesus both of them both of those words do seem to bring up a fear of being dragged into some christian throwback into the 1950s where you either believed or you're going to hell. You know, I get equal numbers, or I used to before this, coming into my office, half telling me that we're too Christian and that we shouldn't be mentioning Jesus and that we should be more inclusive and that Jesus excludes all those who've rejected uh, Christianity. And the other half who come in and say that we're not Christian enough and then we need to go deeper into the Bible and to in Jesus's teachings. So there's definitely tension here around the words, through Christ and then our Lord. And sometimes, not during this series, but previously, I've left out this line, through Christ our Lord, um, just to placate those who are a bit anti. But really, I can see no reason for doing so. That wonderful quote from Bede Griffiths, uh, who was a monk who went to India, uh, at Varam and set up a meditation centre with Hindus. He says that the goal, the goal of each religion is the same. It is the absolute transcendent state, the one reality, the eternal truth, which cannot be expressed and cannot be conceived. He says that's the goal of all religions. This is the goal not only of all religions, but of all human existence. Whether they like it or not, all men and women are continually attracted by this transcendent truth. The intellect, in and beyond every formulation by which it seeks to express its thought, the intellect is in search of that absolute. The intellect is made for being itself, for truth, for reality, and it cannot rest satisfied in any partial truth, in any construction of the human mind. It is always being carried beyond itself to the ultimate truth. Because, All we're trying to do using these words through Christ our Lord is to reach the ultimate truth. How we describe it really depends on what culture we come from and what traditions we feel comfortable with. If we had a bad experience of Christianity or with Christians, we might tar the word Christ and Jesus with attitudes and opinions that we've rejected. But if we had a good experience, then we want to use them. When the prayer says that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord, it's really saying, may we perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through that wisdom that is guiding, that is the guiding light of all creation. It is not an affirmation of one Christian viewpoint that Jesus is the only way to reach God and avoid hell. Rather, it's a description of how we're led into the path of love and completion. The word Christ, when it's applied to Jesus, just means the anointed one. It means when oil is poured out onto someone, it makes them holy, or in this case, the Messiah, the one who is anointed. Thomas Aquinas, he said that the word Christ has a twofold meaning, which stands for both the Godhead anointing and the manhood anointing. A twofold uh, meaning, the Godhead anointing and the manhood anointing. It derives from the twofold human divine nature of Christ, the Son of Man, is anointed in consequence, first of all, of his human flesh, as well as the Son of God, anointing as a consequence his, his relationship to that divine nature. And in using the Christ word in this prayer, it really is the sense that we, may we perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ. We're invoking those two natures within ourselves. We're invoking, using the word Christ, we're invoking our humanity that's contained in our connection with the divine, and particularly the wisdom that's contained in the nature of the divine. We're invoking the divine wisdom that's at the heart of all creation, that drives all creation, and asking it to guide us into love. The anointing that Jesus had was anointing of wisdom. And that reading that we had from Proverbs is all about the nature of wisdom at the centre of the life we live. It's described as a female identity. Uh, Sophia in Greek, it's a female word. And and really it's Sophia speaking out. The Lord brought me forth the first of all his works, Saying really that wisdom was there right at the beginning. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began, from the beginning that wisdom was there. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding in water, before the mountains, before the hills, before the earth and the fields, I was there. When he established the clouds above, I was there. When he gave the sea his boundary, it's really saying that the wisdom is the foundation of the whole of evolution and creation. Wisdom being that central driving factor in the creative process. You know, in describing the divine nature and its relationship to wisdom, I like using the egg beater analogy. You know, if you look at, look at the egg beater analogy, the eggs in the bowl... Our creation. The eggs are creation in the bowl and God is the food mixer above. However, you have to have the whisks plugged into the food mixer in order to be able to whisk the eggs and wisdom or, or the Christ is the connection between the Godhead and creation. It is the activating agent and Jesus as the Messiah personified that wisdom and we in our humanity have the potential to do the same. As I said last week, Jesus, I don't think, didn't come to be worshipped as a God. Jesus came to show us the potential of humanity. He even said, very truly, I say unto you, whoever believes in me will do these works that I've been doing. They will do even greater works than these. He came to show us how to live and how to connect with the divine. And specifically how to access the wisdom of the divine so to be able to perfectly love and worthily magnify the nature of the divine. So wisdom is at the centre of it. You know, when John says at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God at the beginning. He's talking about the creative process. Logos. The word is the begetting word, that which creates through wisdom. The word is the divine thought, the begetter, which makes things happen. And Jesus became that begetter. He was in the world, the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own and didn't receive it. Yet all who received him To those who believe he gave his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision, but born of God. In other words, born of wisdom, able to manifest wisdom in the world. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Wisdom dwelt amongst us. And all of us have that potential to manifest the creative wisdom that's at the heart of all things. And Jesus modeled that. You know, I always think it's interesting when they describe Jesus when he was young and he'd sort of gone off from the temple. It says, when Joseph of Mary had done everything required of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their hometown of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. He could have been filled with anything, but it specifically says he was filled with wisdom. That filling was wisdom was him filling with his potential as the anointed one. Evelyn Underhill, the uh, English uh, theologian from the last century, talks about the incarnation, you know, as the coming of the word into flesh. And she says the incarnation, which for popular Christianity is synonymous with the historical birth and earthly life of Jesus, is for, for the mystic not only this, but also a perpetual cosmic and personal process. It is an everlasting bringing forth in the universe and also in the individual ascending soul of the divine and perfect life, the pure character of God. So it is the, the br- us bringing that forth, and that is what we're praying for in the prayer when it says, through Christ our Lord. It is saying, through the guiding nature of the wisdom of the divine, may we perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through the guidance of the wisdom and the divine nature that's within us all. And that divine nature, that wisdom, appears in all religious traditions under different names. The Oxford English Dictionary defines wisdom as the capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct, the capacity for judging rightly, soundness of judgment in the choice of means and ends, also knowledge, enlightenment, learning, erudition. The ancient Greeks considered wisdom to be an important virtue and was personified by the goddesses Metis and Athena. To Socrates and Plato, philosophy literally philosophy was the love of wisdom. Philo, love, Sophia, wisdom. Philosophy is the love of wisdom. So philosophy is, in in the Greek sense, the love of wisdom. The ancient Romans also valued wisdom, which was personified by Minerva. In the the Indian traditions, uh, the wisdom is called prana. In Buddhism, developing wisdom is accomplished through understanding the four noble truths. In Hinduism, wisdom is considered a state of mind and soul where a person achieves liberation. And in the Quran, it says, he gives wisdom to whom he wills. Thus doth he command you that ye may learn wisdom. In Taoism, wisdom is construed as the inheritance to the three treasures, charity, simplicity, and humility. He who knows other men is discerning He who knows himself is intelligent, it says in the Tao. And so throughout all the traditions, wisdom is seen as the guiding principle. And so it is with Christ in Christianity. It is a description rather than a last name. It points us to where we're going to bring about the purposes of God. We appeal to the wisdom of the divine within us, To enable us to perfectly love and to worthily magnify the holy nature of the divine at the center of all things. And so the colic for purity leads us directly to that wisdom to enable us to fulfill our place in the evolution of all things. Almighty God, ground of all being, it says, O great memory, to whom all hearts are open, we're all open to that divine nature. All desires known and from all secrets are are open. So no secrets are hidden, we're an open book to that divine nature. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. May our hearts and minds be influenced by that nature, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And people Trip up at the word Lord. But Lord's an interesting word as well. It comes from the old English word half wheeled, which literally means bread keeper. Half meaning bread and ward meaning keeper. Half ward, literally, a Lord is the keeper of the bread, the one who enables us to be fed, the eternal wisdom that enables us to be fed. The prayer is called the colic for purity because it leads us into a pure and unadulterated relationship with the divine. It reveals our insecurities, our fears and our desires, and then asks that we might be guided and fed by the eternal wisdom of the divine, so that our lives may be one of perfect love and therefore an unadulterated manifestation of the divine. To live in that way is to fulfill our purpose in life. It is to participate with the unfolding of evolution and to make our contribution from a place of love. That is why we're asked to engage with our lives and with our world through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. And more than anything else at this time, we do pray for wisdom for our leaders, that our leaders may have open hearts and they may act out of love and out of compassion for humanity around them. We pray for right decisions to be made. We pray that the world may be able to heal itself at this time. And we particularly pray for all those who are ill at the moment, those who are in hospitals. We pray for those looking after them, the doctors and nurses, the cleaners, everybody involved on that front line. We pray for those first responders, pray for those working in grocery stores and those driving food up and down the roads, all those who are able to make our lives safer. And we pray for those who are not able to Get health care at the moment, those who are living in fear of one sort or another. People who are in war zones, who are in regimes that are poor and not able to give health care. Those of us in our own community who are undocumented and feel fearful about accessing our health systems. Pray for those in prisons, those who are homeless and hungry the great need in the world, we pray for that. And we pray that our leaders may give into that need out of love. We pray for those who are ill and not able to have treatment because of the virus at the moment, either afraid of going to hospital or those who there is no room in the hospital for them to have their treatments. Pray for all those who are suffering in any way, and we particularly pray for those who are, we, we've been asked to pray for um, in our own community. Joan Downey, Connie Clancy's mother, recovering from hip surgery and a heart attack. John from Clark's Pharmacy, recovering from a stroke, from a snowboarding accident. Rita Hunter, suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease. Heather Morrow, recovering from a brain injury in the Safer Learning uh, Center in Denver. Brett McKenzie, Kevin Bedallion suffering from Lyme disease. Criminal with cancer, Marianne Bolse, Caroline Glaze, mother who's ill, Diane Shelton, Michael Waters' sister, undergoing severe chemotherapy, Jim Stark, diagnosed with stomach and esophageal cancer and starting chemotherapy, the O'Keefe family, Les Weeson, diagnosed recently with Parkinson's disease and recovering from two broken ribs after a fall. Christopher Gavitt with an unyet unidentified autoimmune disease. Frankie Black, who has the virus and is now recovering at home. Ashley Morse, Heather Idell's daughter, who's a doctor on the front line in an ER unit at St. Joseph's Hospital in Denver. And healthcare workers, Michelle Masick, Stacey McGartland, Lisa Vetter, Katie Rizzo. And those who've been recently lost, Steve Laroso and Robert Bart. Uh, Barma Tony pray for their family also particularly the pregnant daughter Melissa also Laurel and Jay Walker and their children Kelsey Amelia and Gavin for Chris Thompson CD suffering from both mental and physical issues from the virus the Fox Rubin family still suffering from the virus and Beverly Stern in hospital again suffering from the virus we open our hearts and ask that we may be appropriate and able to help in all these cases, that you may send your loving care to all those people. Amen.